ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Network. He's coming quickly. I'm Jared Prugar. Kevin, the pads are cracking. Beaver Stadium was at what seemed like half capacity, but man, it felt good to see people back out in the field in Happy Valley. It really did. And the weather tried to damper some things. Luckily, it cleared up in time for game time. And, you know, James Franklin was even in a great mood about the weather. He's back to his full charismatic self. Kind of missed that. We've been at without that for four months. And, uh, yeah, he was he, – he didn't miss a beat. No, and listen, he should have had some fun. I mean, it was a great spring. He said, quote, unquote, it was the perfect spring for them or a great spring. And he's absolutely right. They've dominated the recruiting front. They got through spring practice healthy, which above everything else is huge. They have depth in positions where they need depth. They It couldn't have gone any better for the Nittany Lions. And, you know, there was some really good football being played uh, Saturday at Beaver Stadium. There was. There was a couple of question marks that we had going into it. Who's going to be wide receiver three? Who's going to be defensive tackle? Who's going to take over Jair Brown's spot? I really think we solidified who's going to be wide receiver three today. Amari Evans had an absolute game. Really the only bright spot on offense for Penn State was Amari Evans. Five receptions, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he was the bright and shining star. And then the defense just showed out. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't help but be excited about that Penn State defense led by Manny Diaz. You know, I, I saw this a, a lot on Twitter today, but and I think it's absolutely right. The biggest development this offseason wasn't anything that had to do really with the players. It was keeping Manny Diaz. And when you're able to do that, uh, a coordinator of his caliber that could very easily go into really any any program and have success, um, I mean, it wasn't that he wasn't completely unsuccessful at Miami. I think the odds were stacked against him. Um, and that's not even just from the football standpoint. It was the people above him and people that he had to interact with. But, but yeah, I mean, getting him back, getting Abdul Carter back, deny Dennis Sutton as a stud. Uh, this Penn State defense is is really looking pretty good. Yeah, deny Dennis Sutton had an absolutely phenomenal game. Um, and let's not – Let's not fail to mention Tony Rojas, true freshman, got on campus a week into January, and here we are halfway through April, and the guy was arguably the second the second star of the defense. Uh, they were both on the white defense, but, man, for a guy who came on campus, what, three and a half months ago, he's put on 20, 25 pounds of muscle and to not be outshined. Um, and like James Franklin said, he split the starting defense – Pretty much down the middle. I mean, you had KJ Winston on the white defense, denied to Sutton. Like there was, there were some dudes on the white side. It wasn't just ones and twos versus freshmen and sophomores. It, he wanted to be as competitive of his game as it was as it could be, and that's what they achieved. Yeah, and I mean, anytime you're able to to add to that level of competition, I think it's huge. And the the biggest thing is, you know, you look at the quarterbacks. They go up against – they very rarely, I think, go up against 1v1s unless it's a, a, special, a special point period in practice. But going up against that defense, 1v1, that's going to make guys like Drew Aller better, guys like Bo Prabulu better. And we'll get to that, to their play in the second segment. But to be perfectly honest, that that defense is going to help that offense because going against them every week and, and during the season and even the spring – is only going to make them better because I don't think there's a defense quite like that in the Big Ten. No, and 
another just to run out down a few more names on the white defense that they had. Makai Flowers, he's probably in there with um uh with Jalen Reed as being who was not did not play today. And James Franklin said in his post-game press conference, everybody who didn't play today was just bumps and bruises. They just weren't ready for it. No need to risk him. So Makai Flowers is probably in there with Jalen Reed for being the free safety next to um Keaton Ellis and then uh Storm Duck, you know, the coveted transfer. He was on defense. Zariah Fisher, he had a pretty good game inside at defensive tackle or defensive end, excuse me. So yeah, it's Drew Aller was having to play against a starting Big Ten secondary. And you know, he might not have looked as sharp. And I don't think he will look as sharp. It's it's April. Um I think it's as good of an exposure to a real defense as he could get without putting it in a real game action. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, you can, you have to take this with a grain of salt because he's not going to force the issue. Neither is Bofer Bula. I think they both looked okay. I don't think there's anything to really worry about. Obviously consistency has got to be there, but again, they're thrown with different receivers. They're thrown with guys that they might not always have the greatest amount of chemistry with. But when you, when you look at the, the, what I think is going to be the top three with Omari Evans, Keandre Lambert Smith, and then Trey Wallace, that right there is where they're what, what I would focus on and what, what he did with them. And that's the biggest thing getting with those starters, getting that into that rhythm. And this is a different format. You know, you've got the running clocks, you've got the penalties. And I love the fact that they threw a a flag um, as they celebrate in the end zone. Penn state has never been about that. Um, and I think that speaks volumes to what James Franklin is trying to build. It's those types of little things that are what's going to set this team apart to be a championship contender. I, I don't mind the flag. I don't think it was like, you're playing against your guys. You're playing against your locker room teammates. I don't think it was any malicious intent. I think it was more towards the fun aspect. But you're right. If, if it's September 2nd against West Virginia and he happens to score score a touchdown against a defensive back that he grew up playing high school football against and he does that, he's going to cost the team 15 yards. So I do like that they're drilling that home, but I don't know. Maybe just say, hey, next time, just do go do your 50 up-downs, but we're not going to assess the penalty. Uh, the, you know, the flag, the flag definitely made an example out of it. So, And that's, that's huge, right? That's I think that's that that detail right there the devil is always in the details right so when that type of thing happens that's what matters most like yeah shit could he have celebrated absolutely man everybody's everybody that scores always wants to celebrate no matter where you're jumping up and down or grittying in this situation but for them to flag it and then the punishment on the sidelines been practiced is huge and i think that's the other thing too we have to remember this is a practice yes it's blue white game but it is once again, a, a practice. It's one of 15 in the spring. But again, it, this is a it was a good spring for Penn State. They battled and won battles off the field and recruiting. They improved their coaching staff. It's a win-win all around. And for James Franklin to get into the summer months healthy, huge. But, Kevin, I'm tired of talking defensively. Let's talk about the offense when we come back here for the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Down Network.
Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast, New Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Let's get into the quarterback play. Let's get into the running backs. Let's get into the offense. Kevin, what are your initial thoughts on how they did and how they performed? My initial thoughts are the white defensive line against the starting defense offensive line for the blue squad was dominant. We talked about denied it as Stutton in the first half, in the first segment, and he was a game wrecker, but he wasn't the only one. So in the first half, Drew Aller was rattled. I, I think this game favors defense. Offense is where you're going to hide a lot of your tricks. So Yursich came out with a really vanilla game plan. Obviously, they're not going to show anything. And the field conditions were a little bit slippery, I'm sure. So if you're a new offensive line and or you just haven't been in the reps, I think maybe footing was an issue. You know what I mean? I I don't know how to explain the fall off other than probably just that the defensive line is that good. Um, so yeah, I think I think my only concern is is the offensive line because Rabula was under pressure, Aller was under pressure, Smolik was under pressure, those guys were scrambling a lot. More drives would have been continued because they were one touching them down 10 yards down the field. And I get it. You don't want to tackle your quarterback. But, um, yeah, I I think offensive line is really the big question mark I have coming out of the spring game. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, they were holding guys out to to kind of stay healthy, and I think that's huge. But, I mean, when you look at the grand scheme of things, yeah, the, the score doesn't look great. But at the same time, it's not about the score in a spring game. It's getting out healthy, seeing what you've got, and then going on. I mean, passing-wise, Aller was 19-30 to for 202. Um, For Bula, between the two teams, essentially it was 10 for 27 for, you know, a little over 90 yards. But, again, you're looking at what's going on. And we saw Omari Evans get some action, five catches, 80 yards and a touchdown. We saw Caden Saunders. Christian Driver gets some offensive looks. So, you know, when you when you kind of just take the grand scheme and, and look at the, the broader picture, this is a pretty successful game for both sides of the football, regardless of what they did on defense, regardless of, of those types of things. But, again, health matters. Come in, take advantage of it, and now get into the summer, focus on, uh, on that 2024 class. And see what's next, because I think that's going to be huge uh, for the Nittany Lions moving forward, because they are making some big gains uh, in that 2024 class as we speak. And it's not to say that the offense had a bad day. Drew Aller had some great throws. I forget. I think it was Drew up the sideline on the left. They were going left to right from the press box. And the, the route tree jammed three zone defenders. And all of a sudden, they the crisscross just happened in the coverage and there was just a gap and there was one window that had to go in and he delivered the ball perfectly. Uh, we all saw the side the sidearm throw look like a shortstop tossing to the second baseman to turn double play. So there were bright spots there. I definitely, like you said, don't, don't take the score into, into consideration when you read the newspaper tomorrow, you listen to this tomorrow, you read NSN, what have you. It's, it did, did they gain confidence do they have a better understanding of the roster and the capabilities of other people on the on the team? And I think they do. I this, like James said, it's the perfect the perfect spring. It was the perfect game for raising that compete level and getting guys juiced up to compete. I mean, 
Caden Saunders and Omari Evans, they're going to be going head-to-head for wide receiver three. Malik McLean, two for two receptions for 18 yards, but he was on the white squad, so I wouldn't take into consideration for that. White squad only had 56 yards passing today. Um, and then we also have Dante Cephas coming in in the transfer portal for the summer. So the position battle for wide, rec- wide receiver three is three, four, five guys deep. And uh, I think this is that was the game that they needed to show. This is just another uh, line in the decision-making process. Well, and you mentioned compete, and let's be real. There is not a quarterback competition. It is Drew Aller's offense that is very well apparent. You know, they're not going to risk things with Catron Allen or Nick Singleton. Get a couple carries, boom, voila. Same thing with, you know, Trey Wallace and Keandre Lambert-Smith. Just you know, just nothing. And they didn't even hit the stat sheet today. So, or on Saturday, I should say. So get in there, get out of there healthy. But the big thing, there is no competition. Let's be real. And I think the other thing too, that's important is, as you mentioned the weather, you can't create weather conditions outside and for regular practice. So obviously, you know, weather in central Pennsylvania or throughout the Midwest and the big 10 is not always ideal. It's not always going to be perfect. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be wet. It's going to be snowy. It's going to be cold. It's going to be windy, but their ability to be able to play in the rain today and warm up in the rain, especially with the tapering off during the game, I think it's huge because you can't replicate that during, during the season. No. And if this was a normal Tuesday practice, but they have practice outside in the rain, not a chance. They're not going to risk guys getting sick, slipping, tearing an ACL on spring practice week two. So this forced them to warm up outside. It forced them to learn how to throw, go through blocking drills, go through catching drills, go through all of these warm-up drills that they do week before every game, but doing it in the rain. They're mimicking game situations, and it gets them comfortable because, like you said, you can't mimic raining conditions. Yeah, you can put a wet ball in practice, but until you actually get mud under your cleats with a wet ball, and you're slipping and sliding, your gloves are slick because they're also covered in rain. You're wiping your gloves on the towel and your towel's soaking wet. So it really forced them to just gain that little bit of extra experience because this team is it's gonna be pretty young. You have a lot of starters returning, but a lot of the starters are also just still just sophomores and juniors. So they need that experience. And there's a lot of true freshmen who are gonna be impact players. We saw Rojas, Javen Williams might get in the rotation for offensive line. I think he looked pretty good. He was going up against Jake Wilson all day, and I think he was handling that pretty well. Jake Wilson had like a good rush up the field, and Jamie Williams just pushed him to the inside and let uh, – had to have been Smolik or Vula to scamper out to the left. So I think I think he had a really good game as well. So freshman depth is going to be important, and they had to warm up in the rain. No, that's a very good point. But we're going to get to the final, third and final segment here where we're going to talk about what else Penn State – can be happy about as we move forward here after this quick break on the new sports now network welcome back to the third and final segment of the lashing out podcast and the new sports now network he's kevin i'm jared as as always you know, Penn State has a lot to be happy about. Recruiting is going well. James Franklin is making poignant statements. Mike Rhodes is doing great things on the basketball side with recruiting and retaining. And 
Penn Staters around the NFL are making decisions for next year as well. Trace McSorley goes to the Patriots uh, to be a backup quarterback uh, under Bill Belichick. What a time to be alive. And reuniting with Mike Kosicki. Could there be some magic? The 2016 team is uh, partially reunited in New England. I think New England shopping Mac Jones, too. So might there be a slim chance behind Bailey Zappi that uh, Tracy Soler could get a shot. Uh, Saquon Barkley, he got franchise tag. He's not signed it yet. He's opting out of OTAs for now, which is it is what it is. Jahan Dotson was in the building today. Uh, somebody said he had a million dollar smile after the sale of the team from Bill, uh, from Daniel Snyder. So that, that gave me a good chuckle, but yeah, I think Penn state is doing well and the NFL is only going to build. It's, it's only going to help the recruiting process from high schoolers to Penn state and then on to the NFL. And that's something that J1 Sider said, you know, after practice on Tuesday, he mentioned guys coming in and seeing what Saquon and Miles Sanders did. Well, now they know how to get to that, to that level and what it takes. And both so Saquon and Miles are doing great jobs in the NFL. You know, San, Miles is now in Carolina. Saquon is is now franchise tag with the Giants. And and there, there's an argument out there that Saquon wasn't the, the same Saquon at the end of the year. You fatigued. No. When he is the guy, you key to stop the guy. You do not let one guy beat you. And and for a lot of NFL defenses, they want Daniel Jones to beat them. And more often than not, he can't. Um, but, again, guys like him, Gesicki, Fryermuth, guys that James Franklin has, has helped develop, now those recruits are seeing, oh, we can come in and compete right away and find the field if we're good enough and we earn it. But then we can also find ourselves playing on Sunday. And that's a pretty big, pretty big pull to have. And an ace in the hole, you know, it, it very much like it is at Alabama, very much like it is at Clemson or Georgia or Auburn and bigger schools like that in the South. But now it's happening at Penn State, and that is what's going to help drive this program into the next day, into the next step. Yeah, and Penn State might not have the flashiest draft resume, but they don't have guys like Jeff Okuda from Ohio State going third overall and then two years later getting drafted getting traded for a fifth-round draft pick. Chris Godwin was, what, a second-round pick? He's an all-pro wide receiver at this point. Gasicki, second-round draft pick. He's an all-pro all tight end almost. Fryermuth also second-round. So Penn State may not be developing high-level first-round talent. Obviously, Saquon was, but Miles Sanders also in the second round. Penn State's really zoning in on that second- to fifth-round talent, and – their guys are making the roster. That's that's the key thing is they may not have the most flashy college career because James does a good job of rotating and keeping guys fresh so they don't shine as bright. But he's using the depths to their advantage, and then when the guys get to the NFL, they're still fresh. They're not, they've not gone through what would be the equivalent of, let's say, six seasons of college football just from grounding and pounding and just wear and tear. They maybe only have like two and a half, three years. So – they're a lot fresher going in the NFL and they're much more ready. And I think, I think that's what you have to look for is you might, you might have to go hunt for it a little bit because they aren't first round talents, but their success speaks for itself. Right. And that's huge. And, that, and listen, Penn State's flash was Saquon and, and Micah Parsons, right? You know, there are a lot of gritty guys and a lot of not necessarily first round guys uh, on 
or by the looks of it, but on paper they end up being first round guys, and that and that speaks volumes to what James Franklin has been able to do and and recruit at Penn State, but not just recruit but develop them, and you know the receivers is my is one of my favorite position groups to watch. Number one because I have a background in, in that, but also they've had almost a different coach every year. You know now they're on a different coach, um, but Stubblefield had stability. But before that, they went through Corley. They went through Jared Parker. They went through Josh Gaddis. And when you have that, you know, that makes it hard. But they came out from that pretty much unscathed. And I think that that is huge as far as the culture is concerned at Penn State. Yeah, and they really are building a culture program. You, you can just tell. I mean, they're starting to really get into the conversation of top five recruiting classes now. Like, they've been fringe. And just inside the top 10, maybe 10 to 15, and the culture is just building to a point where high-end recruits are really starting to look at. There was a recruit in from California. I think, what, Ohio State had their pro day, had their spring game today? Came all the way from L.A. to come to a spring game for an official visit. Like, guys are flying across the country on their own dime to come watch a spring game for an hour and a half. Like, that speaks volumes. Yeah, it does. And I think that's – the sky is the limit for Penn State. I mean, James Franklin is, is continuing to recruit and recruit top talent, but also develop that those two, three-star, four-star guys to get to the next level. And I think that's really where, where coaching matters, and that's how they need to, to develop it. Because let's be real, the, the spring here, um, the spring is where the coaching happens, right? That's where install is. That's where your focus is on developing the offense finding tendencies, working on those, fixing mistakes, getting new players acclimated to the same system, but different roles. But this is where the coaching happens. Everything else in the fall is still coaching, but this is where it's more teaching and more learning. Uh, And that's why I think the spring practice season is is great. But you got everything that you wanted to get out of a spring game Saturday at Beaver Stadium. Weather was okay was miserable at times and then developed into a really nice day. You got your guys playing time and not, and they were healthy and you got to see a lot of guys get a lot of reps and the evaluation process can continue and develop over the summer. And I think that's, that's what makes this a perfect game and a perfect spring for Penn state. It sure does. And like you said about the teaching and the culture, we'll go back to the culture and the teaching aspect. Micah Parsons, or not Micah Parsons, geez, Abdul Carter said, like, he's he's working to still get stronger. And that's that's really when you're going to get, get into that. And then bringing all those early enrollees in and the guys and the freshmen coming in, like, this is where you just nail down that routine. If you start a routine in February, by the time you get to September, like, your body's going to be fully accustomed to that. You're starting it in June. You're going to you're going you're gonna to be almost as accustomed by, by the time you get to September. And it really seems like they got those guys are getting in on a program. They have goals set both on the field and in the weight room and in the classroom. So, yeah, it's it's still exciting. I don't think anything that happened today hampers the expectations of a top four to top five team in the country next year. No, the expectations are there, and now that you just got to live up to them. And can Penn State do that? That's going to be the question that's asked the most over the course of the summer and even into the fall, you know, before we know it, West Virginia is going to be here. But until then, we'll continue to talk to you here on the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. 
for coming party. This has been Jared Pervar. Thank you as always for listening.